Hello and welcome to the latest Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. Thank you very much for joining us this week as we look back at the weekend. It's not the uh, run that United won on social, but I'm delighted to be joined by someone who never is off form, uh, Samuel Lockhurst. Welcome back. Hello, Rich. Thank you for that eloquent introduction. Yeah, uh, sadly, United weren't so eloquent at the weekend. The uh, defeat to Arsenal, not even an Arsenal side particularly as frightening as other teams United have dispatched over recent years. This is an Arsenal side who had that start of never winning away for, for so long against a big six team. United, you know, they deserved credit for the results they've had in Europe, particularly over the last fortnight. But it really seemed like one step forward and two step backs for United this week weekend what went wrong for you Samuel was it as bad a defeat as, as people are saying or or was maybe there a bit more lenience deserved for United because they have been good since the international break but it does seem like we're back at square one again it does the the diamond just didn't work yesterday and it was pretty quick pretty clear quite early on that it wasn't going to work Arsenal credit to them they they rumbled it I thought Partey was was excellent as I've said I think I've said before, written before, that I, I didn't quite understand why more clubs or more esteemed clubs weren't went in for him in the summer. I think he'd have been an excellent sign for United, and there, there was just no no alacrity on the touchline to to change it. I think that, that Solskjaer did change it at half time, but it was one of those tactical tweaks that was so difficult to discern. You didn't know quite what the shape was or what he was getting at. And of course, that can that can work to your advantage sometimes. If an op- opponent doesn't know what what setup uh, the opposition is in, then you can maybe capitalise on it. But they didn't. And as you alluded to, Arsenal had I think two attempts on target, yet one one nil relatively comfortably. It, it just I find it very perplexing that Mike Phelan is is assistant manager but doesn't coach them during the week. Yet he's out in the technical area telling them what to do, how to play the game. It just seems quite counterproductive and, and quite a contradiction of what his role is or what his role should be. But yesterday, I think th- that defeat was was on Solskjaer. Uh, the, the diamond worked against RB Leipzig. It didn't work against Arsenal. Um, I think I, I didn't do one of those like personal 11s going into the game, but I, I wouldn't have gone with a diamond. I thought that it just seemed a bit, bit of a reactive move just because they'd beaten Leipzig so well doesn't necessarily mean you should use it again um, a few days later. It's it's one of those formations that is so rarely used and is also reserved for, for certain occasions that I think to do it twice was, you know, really, I mean, it was a, a stretch. It was pushing it too far. And I know our colleague Dom said, I think about 13 minutes in, you know, he's moaning about Gary Neville saying that Arsenal were dominant and blah, blah, blah. But you, they were. And come the end of the first half, Lindelof had made a couple of key interventions. William had hit the crossbar and Saka should have scored with, with a free header. That that sterile dominance, that they, they upgraded that in the end. It, it was converted into real tangible chances. And United just didn't do anything about it. Um, they, they got in at half-time goalless and that was probably the only positive from the first half. But it was just a... It's just a dreadful performance, and it's, it's it feels like a very familiar performance from United. And as you said, that the European form has been excellent. They've, they've had two phenomenal wins to uh, games where Solskjaer has showed his tactical acumen. But I think Simon Peach was saying to me, coming out of Old Trafford on on Sunday, he almost seems to have his tactical 
decisions seem to be spectacular successes or spectacular failures. And the one against Arsenal, I just, for the last minute, I don't know what he was thinking of during the game. And he was uh, he said to us afterwards, he thought it had, it had nil-nil written all over it. I, I don't think too many people agreed with him on that because, as I said, Arsenal had some very good chances and that was before half-time. Yeah, exactly. It's clutching at straws there from Solskjaer particularly. And it seems weird because this last fortnight's maybe demonstrated where United are at that when they play against these these top top teams and when they when the odds are stacked against them, there's still maybe no better team in Europe than United at, at defying the odds and, and playing the underdog card. But when United are expected to attack and they've been expected to attack and to beat Chelsea and Arsenal over the last week, they they haven't done so and they've been flat, they've been blunt, they've just been awful really. It's it looked like Louis Van Hall or David Moyes' United. And yeah, the worrying thing, I guess, is the fact that it's not a one-off. This has happened twice in a week now. Uh, where do you think we're we're at in terms of maybe this Solskjaer criticism at the moment, Samuel? Because he's not a genius. We've seen that, <laughs> like we've seen in the European games. You know, he, he's had these moments of genius, but that doesn't mean he is a genius. And we've seen two sort of approaches against Chelsea and Arsenal where he looks like he's just happy for a one-nil win at best, and. Both times it's it's fallen flat on its face. But where do you think we are in terms of criticism of Solskjaer? Do you think we can go as harsh as some people are going? For me, it seems to be maybe in the middle. He does deserve credit for the two genuine successive uh, wins in Europe. And they were very, very impressive wins. But United's form in the Premier League, they're 15th. They can't go into the international break in the top half of the table. And you might have the mitigation about fitness, etc. But United's squad is is arguably in the top two or three in the whole Premier League. The excuses just don't cut it in the Premier League. Just, where do you think we are in terms of the criticism of Solskjaer? How harsh can we be on him? I think you've got to be harsh because he's nearly two years into the job now and this is very much his squad. He's made the changes that reflect the way he wants to play. I think last year when they had that awful start, there were there were a few get-out clauses at that point because he wasn't a year into the job. Uh, he'd been let down in the transfer window. They'd not they'd not occupied a couple of key positions and they had a couple of key injuries and suddenly the bad results start mounting up. But obviously with, with the Everton game coming up this weekend, I think the last time they lost four of their first seven league games was that infamous start to the 89-90 season, which of course climaxed with, with the 5-1 at Main Road. And Ferguson did really well to survive that period and that was the December where you had the banner at the Stratford end of three years of excuses and it still cracked to Ralph Fergie. But of course, he ended the season with, with the FA Cup win after they beat Forest in January and it turned around. Football has changed so much since then and Ferguson was, was three years into the job then. Solskjaer has to have some form of tangible success this season. The trouble is however madcap this Premier League season is and it, it seems like it's there for the taking uh, to actually mount a credible title challenge or actually go and win it maybe. Uh, United still Champions League challenges at best. I, I don't see them at the start of the season or certainly after the window ends. I don't think anybody would have seen them as credible challenges for the league. But when Liverpool are conceding seven at Aston Villa and you see all these score lines that are just, it's, it's crazy. It's like the football game in bedbobs and broomsticks. Then you just think, well, if someone gets con- a run of consistent, uh, a consistent run of form, th- they're going to be in with a shout of at least challenging for the league title. And Solskjaer claimed before the game on, on Sunday that United aren't inconsistent. They've been consistent since February, apart from a couple of bad results recently. Uh, that was a really strange way of simplifying it because 
I suppose he's half right. They are they are consistently inconsistent. They went from the sublime to the ridiculous last week with those two results. But the manner of that Arsenal game, I mean, it was it was a dreadful game uh, to watch. It was uh, United were anemic. It was an anodyne watch. Sky got their comeuppance for playoff rivalry that ended 15 years ago. But there were so many similarities with the Chelsea home game that I think all of us are trying are trying to forget as best as we can. And as I said, when when you're nearly two years into the job and you've made the amount of signing Solskjaer's made and you have had the amount of squad investment that he's enjoyed, although he is not the problem at the club, he is a problem. And since he was appointed on a full-time basis, there have been recurring doubts about his suitability to be the United manager. And however far United have fallen since Ferguson's last season, when they last won the league, a club of their size, of their dimension, has to be challenging for the league, at the very least. They could have a, a team full of um, 10-year-olds and they, they, the expectation would be for them to still challenge for the league because that's what the size of the club demands. And I just do not see Solskjaer as a title-challenging manager, never mind a title-winning manager. I think he would have to have an awful lot of time uh, to to knock the squad exactly into shape for him to, to come close to that. And you, managers don't get that time anymore. And I'm not necessarily sure that he would deserve that time either. The tactics in the last two league games, I think he got maybe a little bit of unfair slack after the... Sorry, unfair um, flack after the Chelsea one because Lampard was by far the more pragmatic of the two managers and their approach but there was an element of cautiousness about United in that game and against Arsenal it was, it was so much worse I, again the substitution the first one Fred right man to take off Matic wrong man to bring on why didn't Van der Beek come on there um, you know I, I don't want to make it another podcast about why didn't Donny Van der Beek start because he was never going to start but Again, he comes on and, OK, there was a double deflection that hits the woodwork, but he, he was pretty much the closest to of, of all the players that came to scoring in the second half. And there just has to be a point where you make the most of him. You 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 are a bit more proactive with your substitutions, but what he tried in the second half yesterday, I just I couldn't quite fathom. I think it, was, it might have been a 4-4-1-1, but Greenwood was a winger, Pogba was a winger. Um, <sighs> I know sometimes you have to seek solutions during a game that you might not otherwise go with, but that that was really perplexing. And, and Gary Neville hit hit the nail on the head when he said that, on as far as the right flank is concerned, that is still a massive problem where they've not recruited there properly. I think United probably the only team in the on the planet that could sign two right wingers in a transfer window, and for that to still be a problem position because one of them is deemed not ready, the other one is arriving in January. And they're also two 18-year-olds from, um, one's from Italy, one's from Uruguay. So they're not going to be instant hits. If they are instant hits, then it's it's a turn up for the books and it's brilliant and United have, have done a brilliant job in recruiting them. But that's a problem. And when you're playing Pogba on the left, I, I, I just couldn't fathom that. And, and Neville was right what he said. He seemed like he didn't want to take Pogba off. And look, there are plenty of players to choose from in terms of, taking them off in the second half. Fernandes was dreadful. Um, McTominay was poor. Fred had to come off. I thought he was abysmal. It was an absolute horror show from him. But when you've got Pogba on the left, it really just doesn't make much sense at all. Yeah, particularly after Pogba 
had the sort of pivotal moment of the match was the the penalty as well that he confessed at the end was was the costly mistake in, in the game and I know during the match as well so I mean, we we had a chat message in which we both just couldn't believe that Pogba was still on the pitch and it's not a personal attack on Pogba it's just the circumstance and Van der Beek seems like the natural sort of alternative to Pogba rather than to maybe Fernandez, but it did seem like this weekend was maybe the the weekend in the Premier League where normality was resumed a bit. We saw Chelsea win, we saw Tottenham win, we saw City win, we saw Liverpool win, we saw Villa, Everton, United lose. Maybe the the teams that people were tipping as outsiders for the title if they could get their acts together, but maybe there's a bit of a reality check there. United are 15th, and no matter how well they're doing in the Champions League, you know, you think to the uh, the season when Mourinho was sacked, United had beaten Juventus in the Champions League that season anyway, and yeah. European form didn't really count for anything when, when it came uh, to his no. decision as, as being manager because it's the domestic form which which is the benchmark for any United manager. And there's just precedent set where if you don't qualify the, for the Champions League, you have to be sacked. Do you think it is too early in the season for, for those questions to uh, to be rising up again? I know tonight there's got to be a timely appearance from Pochettino on Monday Night Football, which might get outdated by the time this podcast uh, finds you wherever you're watching it. But, you know, every time United lose, the Oli Out Brigade are in full voice. And I understand to some degree why why they do that. And, you know, on the, on the recent domestic form, United have got absolutely battered by Tottenham. They've beaten a poor Newcastle side and, you know, they've been flattered by three late goals, which have salvaged that because that was quite a poor display for an hour, even though United dominated. Um, there wasn't too much cutting edge till the subs changed it in that one. And then the Chelsea and Arsenal games, if you, if you look at it like that, it's a, quite a poor uh, sort of display. And if you looked at those four games, maybe at the start of the season, you, you definitely expect more than just five points from them. Yeah, look, the, the the Premier League is uh, it's, it's a cliche, but it's the bread and butter for for every team, uh, regardless of what other competitions they're they're competing in. And United, as, as you said, they they qualified for the knockout stage under Mourinho in in two thousand eighteen, but what, not not even a week after that that last group game in in Valencia, he was he was sacked, and look, they've 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 had to terrific results in Europe but there's there's even a danger there that they've they've possibly peaked too early in the Champions League I know it's not I, the setup is very is, is identical to a major international tournament but of course Champions League is held over a period of months rather than within a month but it, it can still it can still work out that way that they they peak too early and then come the knockouts they're useless it happened with Mourinho in 2017-18 they took 15 points from 18 they drew Sevilla presentable draw they they lost in a in a scandalous way uh, in, in in that second leg, and it, it is justifiable to ask questions of the manager. November is the time to make a managerial change. We've seen that a number of times in recent years. Tottenham did it last year with Pochettino. Fulham did it in uh, the, the year before that with Jukanovic. I think David Moyes came in at West Ham in November two thousand seventeen. So. That's that's just the last three years going off. That there's there has always been a managerial change in the Premier League because it is the opportune time to do it. You've got there's there, there are four months until the next set of internationals, so it's a really good time to bed in a new manager if you feel the need to make that change. Now, United's league position is somewhat misleading because the, the league is still in its infancy. Uh, we're what six or seven games in for United. But to be, it's just not a good look being 15th. And they've, as you said, they've, they've only played well or reasonably well once. That was against Newcastle. 
look, I, I don't want to be too hard on Pogba and his fitness because he, it, it, it can't be easy suffering COVID and having known people who've suffered from it and the, the horrible effects it's had across the world. Everyone's got an idea of how debilitating it can be for those who are um, as athletic as Pogba, but it seemed peculiar that he played the, you know, he was a bit worn out card on Sunday when he seemed pretty athletic in midweek and he seemed in decent nick in the previous games when he came on. But maybe it is a genuine concern there. But as far as the manager is concerned, whilst Pochettino is, I mean, frankly, is waiting in the wings, that, that is a job he wants. He's His appearance on, on Monday Night Football is not a coincidence. That has been very deliberately timed and quite, you know, cannily timed, timed as well by him. And it's just his way of kind of, you know, putting himself under the microscope, letting United fans have a look at him. Do they like the cut of his jib? Is that going to affect the the approval ratings of Solskjaer? Is it going to you know, get more Pochettino uh, admirers on side and put more pressure on the board? It's it's not a bad tactic by him by any stretch. There's There's nothing really for him to lose there, I don't think. Everyone knows he's a brilliant coach. Everyone knows that the only box he hasn't ticked as far as United are concerned is silverware. But you know, there's a there's a very compelling case to appoint him as United manager either this month or at the end of the season. Um, you know, I, I think I said last year, probably around this time last year, that halfway through this season would be the fair time to judge Solskjaer. And even though we're only what, six or seven games in for United season, we are nearing that point because that's that's just the way the league is. And I, I just have a feeling it's not going to look very flatteringly on him. Uh, they have improved under him since he came in, but have they improved enough for him to to see it out? Uh, that, that remains very, very doubtful. No, exactly. And of course, the, maybe the other sort of thing working against Solskjaer is United uh, have been quite keen to defend their transfer business in the summer. And, you know, you've got to give them credit for, for what they did, even considering the financial climate they're in. But when they try and justify maybe a perceived lack of spending by saying just how much they have back Solskjaer, then that excuse is out of the window as well. Because Solskjaer has had time. He's had an opportunity to to really rejuvenate his squad. And while he's got rid of the deadwood and United side is younger, it's more exciting maybe on paper. It's not necessarily more exciting to watch week in, week out. And I guess there's situation is that you know we've had this four game revival and again it's it's back to square one we said earlier uh, but Samuel United aren't going to sack Solskjaer for losing 1-0 at home to Arsenal you know the, the the game against PSG was fantastic the win against Leipzig no one saw that coming to the, the degree which it did although maybe now in hindsight we look at that Leipzig game as and again quite a tight uh, affair until United really did bump away of it towards the end similar to that to that Newcastle game but for you if we're going to be pessimists if we're going to fuel uh, the debate of managerial change what for you would have to happen for Solskjaer to be sacked before Christmas because would because you know we, we keep on saying he's got this knack of, of getting out of t- tricky situations when he when he has to and it was the the wins against Tottenham and Man City last winter then the Bruno Fernandes arrival which sort of quashed the fears earlier at the, in the year and again the Champions League form is maybe buying him a bit more time than, than he would have had because if United hadn't won in the Champions League uh, across those two games, there would be maybe stronger calls for, for a change now. But for you going forward, what do you think would need to happen? What would be the worst case scenario for Solskjaer? I mean, how long can it continue with 
the sort of mitigating circumstances of the league not being a fair reflection of where teams are at. How long do you think United would give it before they really do realise that you know something needs to needs to change drastically? Uh, I, I think it would have to be there or thereabouts at the halfway point in terms of league games. I think at the start of last season, they won four of their first 14 games. And he was, I was told at the time, he was on the rocks, but then he had those two wins against Spurs and City. So the trouble he's got this year is that his his big six record is has, has got worse. He's lost Tottenham, lost to Arsenal, drawn with Chelsea. Uh, so even though he's pulled off some big coups in Europe domestically, he's he's lost that Midas touch up until now. I think in early early or mid December they've got games against City and and Leeds as well, uh, which obviously big games. Even though there are no supporters, and unfortunately I don't think there are going to be supporters in in the grounds for either of those ones either. But it is interesting trying to gauge the mood around the club when there are no supporters and how supporters could maybe motivate United or, or deflate United. I mean, Solskjaer played the supporters card. You know, we could have done with our fans, would have helped with them. But he has also said that sometimes the absence of fans has, has been a help because players are more relaxed playing in that environment without um, supporters being on edge or uh, despairing over certain things, whether it's a, a mishit or a corner that hits the first man. But ultimately, if, if they lose at Everton, and I think you've got to just ignore the Basaksa here result, whatever that might be on Wednesday. But if they lose to Everton, and they, they can be as low as 17th going into the November internationals, even though it's just seven games in, I think they'll have played seven games by that point. It's, it's a worse situation than last year, where the club did feel compelled to back him in a very detailed way in terms of the recruitment strategy and what he was doing behind the scenes and the atmosphere at Carrington. I think they would feel they, they would have to do something, be it backing him in a similar way um, and providing background on why they're backing him or it would be sacking him. Because if they're 17th in mid-November, I know there's a mitigation of not having any league football no league football being played in August and the season starting as late as it is so it's not as far into the season as it usually would be but it is just a horrendous look and I think the thing you have to take into account with the league table at the moment is that the teams below United you kind of expect them to be there at the end of the season you can see those five or six teams um, struggling and you know being involved in in that relegation scrap you do not envisage United being 15th at the end of the season or now. Um, and it is just a terrible look. And, you know, they, they were well into the top half of the table when Mourinho was sacked in December 2018. I think Champions League qualification was still eminently attainable, even though they were a fair way off. And you saw under Solskjaer that they got themselves into a position to finish in the top four, but then ran out ran out of steam in the, in, in the denouement and had a really, really horrible run uh, at the end of that season. But it has to be considered. It, it really does. Be. I, I know there's an awful lot of mitigation to be taken in in regards to fitness, the quick turnaround, the Europa League um, uh, games that they played in Cologne as well. But I, I, I stand by my point. I, don't, I do not see him as a title-challenging manager. I know Pochettino has not won anything but I do see him as a potential title-challenging manager with United, and that's what you've got to go on. 
and he was the first choice until Solskjaer made that compelling case to be bumped up as the permanent manager. And he more than earned that. But there comes a point where you have to think, well, we're in the same situation as we were last year, which is in danger of happening. You go back to the Newcastle defeat last October, in October last year, when it was, what, two wins out of eight. And they'd lost, I think, they'd lost three, was it? They'd lost to Palace, West Ham and Newcastle. To lose four from seven, their first seven league games, that that is that is sackable form. And I think it has to be considered if they lose to Everton. Um, but as I said, the, the, the nuances are important. They might go to Everton, play them off the park and then score an own goal in the 95th minute, which is Everton's only attempt at goal and lose it. And in that case, you think, well, would you sack him after that? It's, you know, we can't really predict these things. But if they get played off the park and and lose on Saturday, then you know, they'll have two weeks until their next game. And I think there will be an awful lot of pressure on them to, you know, to pull the trigger. Yeah, exactly. It's an unenviable task that Solskjaer faces yet again. But like I said, there's a glaring uh, obvious candidate out there in case United were tempted to uh, to make a change. And for me personally, the, the whole fitness side of it, I do sympathise with United from that aspect. But you, you do sometimes have to step, take a step back and say, well, literally every team's going through the same thing. And at the end of the day, United's squad is far bigger than most other teams are. They've had to leave three senior players out of there Champions League squad at least and they've left two out of their Premier League squad and Solskjaer's still picking largely the same personnel week in week out you know you've got players like Donny van der Beek who could be starting every week and could ease the pressure you've got options in defence if you want to ease the pressure there as well so the fitness card I I don't buy it too much I can't give too much slack in in that aspect although I do get where the club are coming from I guess it just depends what what outlook you have but I guess while we're talking about selection Samuel like you said there's that Exciting game against Istanbul, Basak. Basak. Um, I mean, my my Basak's goal for this season is to be able to pronounce their name. But by the time the match comes about, because Basak Sahir, that, that what you that's saying? right. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were, they had a chance of playing them, didn't they, in the Europa League? But yeah, the Europa League can beat them. So they were they were a copy and paste team in in August for me. Yeah, I think um, before that game as well. I think Robinho was talking up how much he wanted to face uh, United. He's, he's not there anymore, but no. it's the return of Raphael, all that nostalgia that we can get going back when United were good. Uh, I mean, they've probably got a better right back now, arguably, but that remains to be seen. I mean, United's only good as their last game and they were so bad at Arsenal. But, you know, we say United do respond quite often. It's a game where it's a free hit almost for United. It's, I mean, in a sense, it's a lose-lose because United have started so well in Champions League that everyone would expect them to absolutely batter Istanbul in midweek. Would you expect... Uh, wholesale changes at all, Samuel? I mean, like I said, it, it almost is a free hit that if United were maybe to drop points, it wouldn't be the end of the world in no. terms of the group narrative. It probably would dent morale even more. But do you think Solskjaer's just going to give the strongest 11 he's got available? Or, or do you think he will make changes while he can? I don't think he'll admit it, but he has got to prioritise the Everton game this week because the Everton game could be it, it could be the end of him if, as I said, if United lose badly and they go into the November international seventeenth. Those are startling statistics that have to make the hierarchy look at it and think: Do we need to change? Especially when the coach that we wanted in the first place is is available. So I can I can see him making um, a few changes for this game in, in Istanbul. Um, I, I think that he needs to as well after that performance at the weekend. And 
he can go about it in a way that actually is warning some of these players that you might think you're being rested for this, but actually if these guys come in and play well enough, you are being dropped. Uh, Matter who has, has done nothing wrong really this season and, and has been unfortunate to have uh, sat out some of the recent league games after the way he's he's been playing. But he's he's someone that I just like to to see come back into the team. I think Van der Beek has probably got to start. It's it's potentially a chance to start Dean Henderson as well because there's only so long that you can go without giving him playing time. I think it's inconceivable that he could go from that Brighton fourth round game in the Carabao Cup to the the quarter final um, game against Everton next month, which is what two or three days before Christmas without. But playing for United, you, they they can't they can't do that. They are going to have to throw him a bone every now and then. So Henderson, Tuanzebe, Mata, um, Van der Beek, as I said, Martial. I think those are five players that I'd I'd bring in automatically anyway. Uh, Cavani has got to get a start at some point or another. Um, but given that Marshall didn't play at the weekend, you'd probably think that Marshall will start up front unless you know, he goes with back three and he plays Cavani and Marshall. But, I mean, I wasn't aware of it, what Gary Neville said about Cavani's warm-up, but at half-time during the Arsenal game, Van der Beek and Matic were out warming up and there was another guy with his hood up who was just ambling about quite languidly and I thought it was, it was one of the coaches just overseeing their, their passing or putting them through their drills but it, it turned out to be Cavani uh, which which is a horrendous look especially when he just did not look up to it when he came on and he's a 33 year old free transfer who I, I wasn't the only one who thought Falcao when, when Cavani signed and I know I, I sound like I'm writing him off already and I'm not writing him off I'm just saying I didn't think that United should have been taken on I should have been taking a punt on that kind of player and I'll, I'll stick to my guns over that and it was also quite disconcerting that what delayed the announcement Cavani was the image rights when a free transfers rocking up at United and they're getting the number seven shirt and look he would have requested that there's no there's no two ways about it um, it, it doesn't bode well so they, they need to get him going and also Solskjaer saying he needs time and all this stuff to adapt. Igalo came in and I know Cavani has had a longer time out um, injured, not injured sorry but gone longer without playing but Igalo came in with a far you know far lower expectations and actually looked, looked pretty much up to it as, as soon as he um, came on at Chelsea he should have scored and then at the weekend he should have scored against Watford and I think it was on his first start he actually did score against uh, Club Bruja so again look, I, I don't want to be as I said, I'm not writing off Cavani straight away, but United have got to make the most of him sooner or later before they have another write-off of the number seven. Yeah, it is looking more Falcao than Zlatan at the moment for for Cavani. And again, you can't give Solskjaer too much sympathy when he has been backed in the summer window. That's the narrative United have pushed, and you've got to accept that. You know, they they have backed him more than other teams have backed their managers, the other elite clubs certainly across Europe. But when you're buying five new players, I know. Diallo doesn't doesn't join till a later date. But when Van der Beek's not starting, of course you've got the Tellers coronavirus test, and you know he's been back at character today for for another test. But you, you can rule him out maybe of, of 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 this argument. But the fact that Van der Beek and Cavani aren't, aren't starting, and we've not seen Palestri play at this minute yet, you know, you, you do wonder why United bought them in the first place if they don't deem them ready to make an impact on a team which wasn't good enough last season. They they obviously needed to change something, and, and they've not quite done that. Uh, mm-hmm. 
you raise you raise a relevant point there because last year they told us uh, when was this March twenty nineteen pretty much around the time Solskjaer was appointed they wanted game changes i.e. first team ready players to come in and they did that with Wan Bissaka and Maguire with Daniel James okay he was a fullback option because they weren't going to get Sancho in the end but he actually the irony was he did become a regular very very quickly this summer you've said it already. And I think you said it best that they've strengthened the squad and not the first team. They've not signed a single undeniably you know, undeniable first teamer coming in. And to go, for, to, that, that's a hell of a shift that's kind of largely been overlooked. But if United are going along those lines, all that does is it scales back expectations. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to kick on this season. And they certainly haven't kicked on. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it sort of justifies why this, the start's been so bad because a team that wasn't good enough last season hasn't really got gotten better, and the teams around them have. So, what what do you expect? Almost, and you can yeah. almost give social sympathy for that because how do you expect him to get better when his team's not got better? But obviously, when you see Van der Beek on the bench, and you know the, the annoying thing is that, like you said earlier, Samuel, every game Van der Beek's come on. He's arguably been the best midfielder. He made an actual difference. So mm. I don't get why he's not started. Hopefully we see it in midweek. And I personally think as well that Pogba looked good, rejuvenated, because he was coming on as an impact sub. You think about the PSG game, you know, he's he's excellent. You can't fault him for that. It's because he had that freedom to come on and he was told, go on, change the game. You know, yeah. Paul Eyes are on Paul Pogba. And it really suited him well. So I think going forward, personally, I'd start Van der Beek most games and then have Pogba as an impact sub. I don't think there's any harm in that, but like I said, it seems almost like Solskjaer was almost saying more by not bringing him off uh, against yeah. Arsenal at the weekend. But we'll wait and see. And of course, we've got Solskjaer's press conference tomorrow, which will give us uh, even more indication of the way United are going into this game against Istanbul on Wednesday night. But Samuel, I know you don't like doing predictions. I'm not going to ask you for a score prediction, but what's your sort of general feeling going into to Wednesday night? Are you expecting a response from United at least? You, you would expect to win a response on... I'm not so sure. I mean, it is it is a underwhelming occasion. I mean, this this could have been a very treacherous or an certainly exciting week in the Istanbul and Goodison when they've got crowds in their their real bear pits, their real test of a player's metal. But we we're deprived of that, unfortunately, and supporters are um, you know deprived of the opportunity to go to these big games as well. So it, it really is an occasion that United should be winning. As I said, as we just discussed re- earlier, I think they can make a fair number of changes without underestimating Basaksa here and still getting a pretty good result. And they're, they're in a perfect position in Europe. They've, they've put themselves in that perfect position as well with the two wins and Leipzig and PSG are guaranteed to take points off each other over these next two match days. So on the European front, it, it all looks good and even if they do only get a draw in Istanbul, it's not the end of the world. But I, I think for Solskjaer, he really could do the win just to lift the mood again after the weekend. Yeah, well, 27 years ago today, it was welcome to hell for United and it could be a different type of hell for Solskjaer this week if results don't go his way. Uh, Samuel, thank you very much for joining us on the Manchester's Red podcast. Thank you. Uh, this week like we said we've got Solskjaer's press conference on Tuesday of course we'll bring you the squad as well as we get it for United's trip to Istanbul and we'll bring you all the build-up as well but thank you very much for joining us please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already and we will see you again next time